Well, it's good to sing these joyful songs with you this morning. It may be that uh, we've sung together before, uh, either because you go to church here or maybe uh, in November 2016 you were with me on Addison Street singing at the top of your lungs, Steve Goodman's classic, Go Cubs Go. Uh, That was uh, on one occasion when... I sang at the top of my lungs in response to some good news, the good news that the world championship Chicago Cubs had finally broken the curse, and, uh, and we could finally rejoice. This is uh, one of the things that we share with Mary, the mother of Jesus, that when we hear good news, something within us, deep within us, wants to sing with all of our hearts from the depths of our being. Mary got good news. Uh, and we're going to look at it together. Turn back, actually, to page 15. It's lesson five. It's Luke chapter one. We're looking at uh, the, the singing part of that text, which is um, verse 46 onward. Mary heard news. She was going to become the mother of Jesus, who was the word made flesh. It was, it was God walking into the room. It was It was the incarnate king of kings and lord of lords. She would be his mother. God cared enough about the world to come into the world, and he trusted her enough to bear this child and raise this child. And there was dimensions of that good news that we need to explore, because if it's good enough for Mary to sing about, it's actually still true in our day. The news that she sang about still permeates our world, and it could be that you've heard lots of news that has not made you want to sing. The last thing you want to do in response to so much of the news that we've heard this year would be to sing. Sometimes it's to get depressed or to get angry or to become afraid or to shut down. Whatever it might be, we need to hear Mary's good news because it's still true and it's still compelling and it's still good. There's two dimensions that Mary sings about of good news. The first bit of news is that um, God shows mercy and the second part of this is that God shows justice. God's mercy can be defined like this. He chooses the unchosen. He loves to choose the people that everyone else has totally rejected, the marginalized, the unlovely, the rejectable, people that everyone else has forgotten about, people that are completely invisible to society. God has a special eye for them, and he says, I choose you. I choose you for special purposes. I choose you to receive my mercy. I choose you to receive my love. That's God's mercy. And by all accounts, that was Mary. Mary was, was, was unchosen in many respects. She was an ethnic minority, for, for starters, in the Roman Empire. Secondly, she was a, she was a young woman. Com, you know, she was near the bottom of the, of the ladder socially in the Roman Empire. She had no accomplishments to speak of, and this is a, an empire obsessed with accomplishments. Mary was, was totally a recipient of mercy because she was totally invisible, and for many, all, uh, for all practical points and purposes, unchosen. And here's what Mary sang about. Verse 46 of Luke 1, she says, and Mary said, and, and we, we see uh, based on the words that follow, it was a song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So this is a song from the depths of her being. Her soul and her spirit is rejoicing. Why? Well, verse 48 tells us, 
For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, referring to herself. For behold, now from, uh, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty has done great things for me, just a lowly servant, someone that everyone else has forgotten. And then she says, and holy is his name. Well, what makes this true for us is that um, the, the next line, it's not just mercy for Mary. She says in verse 50, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, how could this be? How could it be that her son that uh, was born to her could be someone showing mercy for generation after generation? Well, we get clues in her son's life when Jesus grew up and became a man, began his, his public uh, service, his public ministry. We see him showing mercy all the time. He would, he would throw parties. He would, he would join parties at uh, the homes of social rejects in the towns he visited. He would give a, a special touch to people who had scary diseases, people that, that were sequestered off in ghettos because no one wanted to touch them. They were afraid of contagiousness. Even when he was crucified on a Roman cross like this one, except a lot larger, there was a thief, a convicted criminal being crucified next to him. And the criminal next to him said, Jesus, would you remember me when you, when you come into your kingdom? And he said, uh, in, our, in our colloquialism, don't worry, you'll be with me today in paradise. He was merciful from beginning to end. And then he rose again to be the king of a very merciful kingdom. And that kingdom extends today. I'll tell you about a woman who shares our city, a woman who lives in Chicagoland. Her name is Jane. Uh, we'll call her Jane. That's not her real name. She is a real woman. And she didn't grow up in church she didn't grow up with, with God, although she had an awareness that she had a creator that loved her. In junior high, she looked for acceptance in all the wrong places. Jane says, and th these are her words, I used alcohol and other substances as a ticket to this exciting place I had found. I began to feel love, intimacy, and a certain kind of closeness in my new life. And eventually, she crossed paths with a, a ruthless man who took possession of her existence completely, took away all her choices, and used her for his own enrichment. And Jane says this, my life was now his. I thought I was worthless. I was a forgotten, used up toy. I was an unnoticed, invisible, nasty stain, or so I thought. And I began to pray, please help me. Please just let me die next time. Please end this pain, end this torture. I'm so sorry I chose this life. Help me, I'm begging you, take me away from here. The merciful God that Mary sang about was listening to all of those prayers. God has a special ear for those prayers those rock-bottom prayers. And in his mercy, he looked on Jane's humble estate just like he looked on Mary's humble estate. Don't you, verse 50, his, his mercy is for generation after generation. Mary was singing about Jane even though they had never met. And as Jane goes on to say, she says this, I had no idea 
that my heavenly father had not forgotten about the little girl who just wanted to know his name. I had no idea that my Savior Jesus Christ could see me in all my brokenness and that I mattered to him. I had no idea that the Holy Spirit felt my pain and gathered my tears. Eventually, Jane was picked up by law enforcement, which separated her from from her abuser. And then she got connected to Refuge for Women, which is a safe house and a residential program for women who have survived human trafficking. And here's the impact of God's mercy on Jane's life. Again, her own words. Today, I am celebrating 13 months clean, sober, and safe. I'm able to live out loud, laugh till it hurts, and love others with everything I am. I have experienced God's gentle grace and mercy in my healing, and I thank him for that every day. She's singing her own song of Mary. God's mercy is good news for people like Jane. It's good news for people like Mary. It's good good news for people like you and me. We all have unlovable parts of us. We all have rock bottom parts of us. We all have unchosen dimensions of our existence, and we need God's mercy just like Jane did. God chose us even when we don't choose him. And he longs for us to have a deep and personal relationship with him, just like Jane has with him, just like Mary had with him. He wants to rescue us from things that enslave us, things we feel ashamed about, and restore us completely like he restored Jane and like he blessed Mary. This is the kind of good news out of which we sing from the depths of our being. But there's another side of it, isn't there? There's another side of the good news. God's merciful, but he's also just. And if God's mercy is him choosing the unchosen, God's justice is him toppling the tyrant, toppling the tyrant. I'm so grateful for the brave men and uh, some men, women and some men who have shared their Me Too stories in these last few weeks. There have been once mighty and towering figures that have been dethroned, and rightly so, as their abuse of power comes to light. We rejoice when justice is carried out for the vic- uh, after the victims tell the truth about what happened behind closed doors. But you know what? I think many of us, we want the reckoning to go further. We know that it needs to, that there's many untold stories, and there's many tyrants that have gone untoppled that maybe are continuing their abuse of power. So where's the reckoning for them? That's part of the good news that animates Mary's song. It's part of the reason that she sings with all of her heart. She sings about kind of an ultimate reckoning, a once and for all reckoning that will come at the hand of her son Jesus, who, yes, is merciful, but he's also just. Uh, Turn to page 16, and you'll see dimensions of this good news. Mary's singing as if it's already happened, but it's kind of like a prophetic song. It's kind of like singing about what will happen. She's so sure of it that she sings about it in the past tense. But she's singing about what other authors of Scripture call the day of the Lord, which is the, it's the reckoning that we want. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. 
He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Here, God is showing justice to the proud, the mighty, and the rich. He's not judging them for having money. He's not judging them uh, for having power. God is judging them because they've abused their money. They've abused their power. They've trampled on the poor. They, they've, they've used their power to take advantage of people that were at their mercy. And God is judging them. He's taking their power away. He's toppling the tyrant. Misused power results in pride. Misused money results in corruption. In Mary's time and ours, some people choose to extort the poor. Some people choose to abuse the weak. Some people choose to ignore the hungry completely. Like the tyrant who took advantage of Jane's vulnerability. Like the tyrants who around the world flaunt the law to enrich themselves. The proud, the mighty, and the rich, they reject God's mercy, and so instead they receive his justice. And they may get away for that, get away with it for now. Some of us see people getting away with the abuse of power. But ultimately and finally, they will answer for their crimes and be brought low. Now, in the process of receiving God's justice, many people discover his mercy. They discover how much they need his mercy. And they receive a new heart and a new life. And they change their ways. And I'd encourage you to even read the rest of the biography of Jesus which is called the Gospel of Luke. And you'll see a lot of people, when they encounter Jesus, at first they receive a measure of his justice, and it shakes them up a little bit, and then they turn to his mercy. Someone like Zacchaeus, who returned all the money that he stole from the poor. And that's good news, too, because there's a part of us, just like there's a part of us that needs God's mercy, there's also a little tiny tyrant inside that we like to keep hidden. <laughs> the, the part of us that, that, that gossips, the, the, the part of us that that isn't generous, the, the part of us that um, is just downright mean in our own ways. And there's a part of us that needs a measure of God's justice. To, the tyrant inside needs to be toppled so that we can receive God's mercy. On the one hand, God's merciful. On the other hand, God's just. Sometimes it's hard for us to reconcile those things, and we need living examples of how they come together. Back in 1966, Chicago was facing a housing crisis because uh, African Americans were, were intentionally kept from buying and renting property in certain neighborhoods around our city through a process called redlining. It was one of those legal but very unloving and very unjust practices at the time. And um, so they were, they were uh, all housed in communities like North Lawndale. It was a situation that required mercy for those who had experienced uh, the injustice as well as justice for those who had perpetrated it. So Martin Luther King Jr. decided that he would move into North Lawndale with his wife. They moved up from the south. They rented a two-bedroom apartment in North Lawndale to be agents of both mercy and justice. And they went with their neighbors and they marched arm in arm in all white neighborhoods like Marquette Park at the time. And during one of these marches, the, the, the all-white neighbors, the all-white crowd in, in, in this neighborhood threw firecrackers and rocks 
at Martin Luther King and his wife and all the neighbors. And one of the large rocks hit Dr. King on the head, and he actually fell down. He, like, was down for, for a few moments. He got back up again, and he kept marching. And a reporter asked him, why are you doing this? Why are you exposing yourself like this? And he says, I have to. I have to bring evil into the light and expose it for what it is. Martin Luther King Jr.'s move to Chicago had a direct impact on the 1968 Fair Housing Act, which makes uh, racial discrimination illegal. There was mercy and there was justice because at great personal cost to himself, Dr. King moved into the neighborhood. This is an example for us of what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ, at great personal cost to himself, moved into the neighborhood so that he could bring both mercy and justice to our world. Christmas is the celebration of the time when he signed the lease papers and, and uh, subjected himself to the limits of being a child in Mary's womb so that he could subject himself to the limits of the world we live in. And he lived our, he walked our streets and he taught us to forgive our enemies and love them and say, Father, forgive them. And he shows us both mercy and justice and he offers it to us today. He wants so much for us to receive the justice and the mercy that Mary sings about, for us to receive it. You might be a religious skeptic who wonders if any of this could be true. Or maybe you're longing to receive the mercy or see the justice that Mary sings about. You can respond in a couple of ways. One is to, like I said, continue to read this, the life of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of Luke, which is a historical biography. Watch him show merciful justice and ask him to show it to you. We're also going to take part in an act of merciful justice together right now, and we're just gonna experience what it's like to be in this kingdom of Jesus's. Every year at this service, we have a custom of taking up an offering for a local ministry, and people from the congregation give, give suggestions as to where it should go, and this year we chose Refuge for Women, the, the, house, the, the housing program and ministry where Jane found her recovery, and is a completely different person as a result of her stay there. Um, we'll have an opportunity to make a personal sacrifice out of mercy for someone like Jane. We'll part with our hard-earned money, uh, which is one of our sources of power, and we'll do so to lift up women who are rece uh, recovering from trafficking. And We'll give together, and as, as you give, I encourage you to pray for these women. Pray that they would experience the kind of recovery that Jane experienced, the kind of love that Jane experienced in Refuge for Women, to be given a way out of the cycle of trafficking and abuse. You'll see in your programs that there's an envelope. This envelope is kind of um, your, your way to give. You can, you can put cash in here. You can put a check in here. Um, you can make the check out to Emmanuel Anglican Church. We'll give it to Refuge for Women unless you mark otherwise uh, on the outside of your uh, envelope. You can give through our app, the Emmanuel app, or you can give via text. There's texting instructions here, so you can give on your phone right now even. Um, and ushers will come by in a couple moments. They'll collect these envelopes, but if you're not ready for that and you want to do it later, just take this envelope with you and give online, 
or you can give this envelope to the welcome table as you leave. Karen Schultz, where are you, Karen? Karen is the director of Refuge for Women Chicago. And if you have questions for her, she's going to be up in this direction, um, handing out free gifts from Refuge for Women, some jewelry that she's brought with information about Refuge for Women on the back, so just take some for free, um, and she can answer any questions that you have about the ministry. The song on Addison Street ended soon after it began, (laughs) okay? The good news kind of evaporated. (laughs) But the song of praise that Mary sang is ours too, and it continues to this day. Because even in troubling times like these, we have good news that God is setting everything right as a mercifully just king. And he longs to extend his love and mercy to me and to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.